Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. Listen to my verse and listen to my flow. My name is Marcus, the host named Joe, and we have a guy named Gabriel. Listen to me, say it proud. Everybody all around. The Joe Show gonna rocking, so buckle up and settle down. That's right. Calm yourselves. You about to have a great time tonight. Joe Show. And don't think I'm lying. I promise I'm telling you the truth here. It's the Joe Show. The Joe Show. That's where we act. We go crazy at the drop of a hat. What we say is neither here or there, but our opinion, which we love to share. So I hope you enjoy from the host named Joe and a random guy plus Gabriel. So give us a like or a follow for the cause. This show deserves some great applause. Listen to what he's saying. Speaking the truth. Can you hear what he's saying? I'm about to go loose. Here we go. Joe Show. It's the Joe Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today my guest is Jeff Holst. Jeff is a recovering attorney, a full-time real estate investor with more than 300 residential units and several commercial properties. He is co-host of the Old Fashioned Real Estate Show, where they mix bourbon old fashions and real estate investing. In February of 2020, Jeff climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and stood at the highest point in Africa. He is also the co-host and founder of the Life Last Life Ever podcast and is passionate about helping people live the best possible version of their last life ever. How are you doing, Jeff? Excellent, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem at all. So you um, have experienced a lot. And and just tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself, um, like your early life and um you you said you used to be a real estate uh you worked in the bank rupsy uh part of real estate am i correct uh not exactly so so i was a bankruptcy attorney so the short version is i uh i graduated from law school in 2006 and i uh, started a small bankruptcy firm okay uh, i did a little bit of other stuff but i did personal bankruptcies for people so um, chapter seven, chapter 13, stuff like that. Um, basic stuff, basically someone couldn't pay their bills. They would come to me and I would, uh, you know, help them get rid of that. Now, and obviously that's not the solution for everyone, <laughs> but, uh, there are times when that's the only solution for people. Yeah. So, so I did that kind of stuff. I did a little bit of corporate bankruptcy as well, but it was mostly personal bankruptcies. And you got to remember, this is like 2007 when I started the firm, 2008, 2009, there was a ton of bankruptcies. Yeah. So, I was going to say, so your business was pretty popping back then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a, I even had a television commercial. I was up in Grand Rapids, Michigan and mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I was running a television commercial. I was on the, you know, full page ad in the phone book back then, uh, spending a lot of money on marketing, but we filed a lot of bankruptcies. I think we filed about 400 
uh, or so in a in a year and a half period. So almost one a day for the whole time. Gotcha. So were they mainly like houses or were they cars or because I know a lot. Yes. Of- yeah, so I mean, it was a little bit of everything. I mean, what a lot of the people were like GM employees that had gotten laid off, and they uh-huh. had car payments and house payments they just couldn't make, and they had credit card bills, and so you 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 kind of lump that whole thing together. When you do bankruptcy work, it's kind of an all or nothing thing. It's not like you get to pick or choose, unfortunately. It'd be a lot better if you could keep some stuff and get rid of others, but yeah. for the most part, you have to get rid of everything. So, so I, I kind of understand I kind of understand bankruptcy, but is it like um. So it's um, I get rid of everything. And so it's like the credit or their payments. They don't have to ever pay that again. Or will they still have to pay them the payments after bankruptcy? Um, yeah, so uh, two different ways to do that. Um, there's a chapter seven bankruptcy, which is called a liquidation bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you do in a liquidation bankruptcy is you really, um, you give up everything, you get certain exemptions. So like, you don't have to sell your clothes, right? You yeah. don't have to sell your, you know, your, you, you get a little bit of cash. It depends on what state you're in, what you can keep and what you can't. But the point is anything that you can't exempt out of the bankruptcy estate mm-hmm. gets taken by the bankruptcy trustee and sold. And then all of your debts go away. Like that money gets used to pay your debts and whatever, whatever money's left over, you would theoretically get back. But in most cases, you don't have any money left over. Or you wouldn't be filing bankruptcy. That's for people that are in really bad financial situation. Maybe they owe a couple hundred thousand dollars and they have assets of, you know, a few hundred dollars or something. And they're going to keep their stuff uh, and they're going to get rid of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in that kind of bankruptcy, it is possible to like keep a car that has a payment on it. Okay. But if you want to keep that car you have to keep making the payment so it's not like you get to keep the car and get rid of the payment right the car um the car isn't exempted right so you have to like you have to go through that process and sign a thing called the reaffirmation agreement Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that's basically saying yes i know i don't have to pay this debt but i want to keep the car so i'm gonna pay this debt right yeah um and, and that makes sense to me. So that's one way. The other way is a Chapter 13, which is a reorganization bankruptcy. Okay. And in that, you basically create a plan to pay back your creditors over a period of time, uh, anywhere from three to five years. Okay. Uh, and then that's administered by a bankruptcy trustee and by the court system. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, that's an overly technical uh, type of explanation i realize <laughs> uh, but that's what i was doing back then i haven't done bankruptcy work in a long time so um i know enough about it to be dangerous but not enough to actually do the work anymore because those rules change all the time gotcha i actually even wrote a book about how to hire a bankruptcy attorney like <laughs> back in 2012 or um, something like that um it's called should i file i haven't talked about that in a long time i think it's still on amazon i actually don't I haven't looked in a while i should check that out but, gotcha see uh, i wish i would have known all this because i i ran into some like car problem well car trouble i i um i bought a brand new car and it was the payments were too high for me so then i went in and traded it in and then two days after I drove the new car that I got from the dealership, I wrecked it. it had 51 Ugh. miles on it. And um, one of the things they didn't tell me was that with since I went when I went in to trade it in, um, they took the payment from the expensive Jeep that I traded in because I couldn't afford it. They put it on this new one, so it racked it up yeah. to thirty six thousand dollars. 
Yeah, that's painful. So, you know, and and then, of course, in that situation, um, sometimes bankruptcy is the best solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, for, for most people, if they can pay off their debt, even if it takes them a lot of pain and suffering to do it, that it's the best choice. Uh, and sometimes you can negotiate payment plans with those creditors and stuff like that. Uh, bankruptcy should be a sort of last resort thing. I mean, it's yeah. it's not the end of the world. It's there to solve these problems, mm-hmm. right? Like when, when we don't want to put people in jail like they used to have debtors prisons. <laughs> uh, you don't want to put people in da- jail for this stuff. So we uh, we have a mechanism to relieve that debt uh, built into the system, and it's fair. It's it's reasonable to do it, but it's also like the last resort because it really does mess with your credit, right? You've, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you if you a few payments, it hurts your credit. If oh, yeah. you file bankruptcy it's like dropping a nuclear bomb on your credit yeah um, i know all credit, about that credit is going down significantly after that and believe me i know that from experience yeah now now that's that's really good because i was just getting ready to ask you've had some experience with bankruptcy yourself uh, yeah so um yeah i was the um probably i mean it's not actually i know another bankruptcy attorney that filed bankruptcy um ironically but um in my case i got diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia in 2008 in the fall of 2008 uh and i thought i was gonna die honestly i actually um I'll circle back for a second on this i had um years earlier made myself a bucket list right mm-hmm. with um uh, like really just about four things on, I wanted to go see, um, the pyramids in Egypt and I want to go see Petra, which is like the Indiana Jones last crusade city in the carved into the side of the mountain. Okay. And, uh, that's in Jordan. And I want to go see Machu Picchu, uh, in Peru. And I kind of made that list of things that I wanted to see. And, um, in 2008 and in august i actually climbed to the top of machu picchu this lost incan city and i'm looking down and i was like (laughs) like i've got a television commercial i've got a two attorney law firm we're growing we're filing tons of bankruptcies everything was going really well uh and then two weeks later um my other attorney quit and a week after that i was diagnosed with leukemia so within like three weeks, I went from like literally like I just finished my bucket list to now I'm in the hospital thinking I'm going to die. Uh, fortunately, I didn't die, but uh, spoiler at alert. the time <laughs> I really did think I was going to. You know, I, I um my dad came into the hospital that night and he said to me, um, the night I was diagnosed, he said to me, and remember this is September, right? He mm-hmm. said, if you live till February, uh, I'll take you to Australia. And I said, I just hope I make it till Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where we were because my white blood cell count, I mean, I don't know if you know much about medical stuff, but my white blood cell count was 258,000. It's supposed to be like 5,000, right? Huh. It's like it was way too high. Mm-hmm. And I uh, didn't know much about leukemia, but I did have a cousin, uh, Kim, who, who had died of leukemia a couple years before. Uh, I was diagnosed and her white blood cell count when she died was about 150,000. So I'm looking at mine going 250. She died at 150. I'm toast. Mm -hmm. And I felt like toast too, by the way. I felt like (laughs) complete utter crap, (laughs) right? It wasn't, it was not, I I felt really bad and I was really, really sick. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, after I got out of the hospital and I started to, you know, get treatment, expensive treatment that wasn't, 100% covered. Um, But I didn't, I also couldn't work. And um, 
my law firm cost about $5,000 a week to mm-hmm. run. And when we were bringing in eight or 9,000 a week, that was no big deal. Uh, but when we were bringing in zero, cause my other attorney quit and I was not able to work myself, yeah. uh, that was a big problem. And very, very quickly we ate through our capital reserves and, uh, and then I started charging things like paying my phone book ads with my uh, charge cards. And mm-hmm. I ended up with a huge, huge debt problem that I, I tried to solve for a couple of years yep. and uh, finally just went, uh, F it. You know, I got to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> so That's crazy. That's Yeah. That's, it's just really crazy how you were a bankruptcy attorney and now you're going through with everything happening to you. And now you're going through that, that process that you've uh, handled with your clients like it's just yeah it's crazy well it's funny it's glad that you you knew how to do everything now did you get an attorney yourself or was it your firm that did it oh no it was we didn't have any attorneys besides me at the firm and i didn't want to do it for myself there's a rule in law that um that uh that a person who represents themselves has an idiot for a client and an attorney um (laughs) so i didn't want to do that um uh or a fool they say a fool for a client uh if you represent yourself uh so yeah i wasn't going to do that and so i actually um this is actually an interesting side note so when i was 17 Mm -hmm. this is i was 30 when i was diagnosed with leukemia and filed bankruptcy at 32 or right about 32. um uh, when I was 17, I had made this decision to give up bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided one day I'm not going to, I was like having a bad day and I was sad and, you know, I was I probably broke up with my girlfriend or something stupid like that, you know, <laughs> cause you're 17 and everything seems important. Um, and, uh, and I just said, you know, to, this is dumb. Like, uh, I live in America and like, I'm, you know, I'm in a middle-class family in a decent neighborhood. Like I should be having a good day. I'm young and healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I said, today's a good day. And then I went to school and I didn't have a good day. And the next day I said, well, I'm just say today's a good day more times. Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing it. And I said, today's a good day. Today's a good day. Today's a good day over and over and over again. And then one day, like, I don't know, maybe a month after that, I walked into a 7-Eleven mm-hmm. and the guy behind the counter said, how are you doing today? And I said, I never have bad days. And I went, holy crap, I never have bad days because <laughs> <laughs> I realized that it had been a couple of weeks since I had a bad day and I haven't had a bad day since. That's you know, good. and I mean, it's good. And, yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I was doing affirmations, but I mean, back in the 90s, we didn't know what those were like mm-hmm. the, the Google didn't exist. So YouTube didn't exist. And I didn't have Tony Robbins to tell me what I was doing was how <laughs> you're supposed to do it. We just I just did it right. Mm-hmm. And so flash forward 13 years when I was 30 and I was diagnosed with leukemia. A lot of people would say, well, that must have been a bad day. In fact, my brother came into the hospital um, that first night and he said to me, I bet today's a bad day. Mm. Like it was almost like he wanted to prove it wasn't possible to go without having bad days. And I was like, well, actually, I was diagnosed at 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Most of the day was pretty good. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, that's how I thought. And then the next day, uh, it was a struggle. Um, but I remember it was like two or three in the afternoon. And uh, there was a shift change at the hospital and the new nurse came in to introduce herself and she looked at me and she said, oh, my God, Jeff, I'm so, so sorry to see you here. 
And I looked at her and I said, oh, my God, Shelly, I'm so happy to be here because she was my babysitter when I was like 10 <laughs> years old. Right. And uh-huh. I was like, I hadn't seen her in like a couple of decades. And I was just like super excited to see Shelly mm-hmm. was like one of my favorite babysitters as a child. And, you know, in retrospect, that sounds weird. Right. Like, how yeah. can you know, on one hand, you're you're in a hospital bed and you're think that you're going to die and you, you're hoping you can make it till Christmas a few months away. Right. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you're like super excited to see your babysitter. Uh, and you know, you could say, well, one's more important than the other. Well, the thing is, I'm not sure that's true. Um, how you react matters and how you feel matters. So yes. I felt joy at seeing Shelly and that made my day. Okay. It made my day to be a good day. And it's because I'd been so used to finding positive things. There's this thing, um, and I'm going to circle back, by the way. I'm, I promise this is a super long <laughs> explanation of an uh, answer to your question. But oh, you're fine. There's this thing um, called the Bader-Meinhof, uh, it's, I probably pronounced that wrong, um, effect or phenomenon. And it's basically like, you, you know how when you get a new, uh, you said you had a Jeep, right? So yep. you go out and buy a new Jeep, and you're like super excited about it, and you want to like show everyone. And then it seems like everyone you know and everyone you see has the same exact Jeep as you, Yep. Mm-hmm. right? Like you didn't see them ever on the road before, and now everywhere you drive, there's a Jeep, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um that's the Bader-Meinhof effect. It's basically your subconscious mind um, recognizes the familiar. Mm-hmm. So you become familiar with something and then you see it more readily. Those Jeeps were always there, but you didn't notice them because they weren't familiar to your subconscious mind. And I think that's how this works. I think that, um, you know, when you get super used to seeing positive all the time, because you keep saying to yourself out loud, today's a good day, and you identify yourself as a person who never has bad days, mm-hmm. um, when bad stuff happens, and it will, because good and bad stuff happens to everybody every single day, right? Yeah. You know, maybe it's stubbing your toe or like <laughs> getting a paper cut, and it's not that serious, mm-hmm. or maybe it's getting leukemia, and it really is serious. Uh, but what happens is your mind becomes conditioned and used to and recognizing the positive in every situation. And that made that day okay for me. It made it a good day. And what happened then is I had another good day the next day and another good day the next day. And pretty soon I was, you know, in a positive mindset and and I was figuring out how to recover from this disease that I had. I was able to think clearly about how important it was to me to live and how I wanted to do many more things. And I was able to figure out a treatment protocol. Now, granted, my doctors help with this. It's not like I'm, I suddenly solved, you know, found the cure for leukemia. In fact, mm-hmm. I still have leukemia. Uh, I could come back anytime. I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really well controlled by my drugs, but, mm-hmm. but the point is I was able to, to really process where I was and keep moving forward and do those and, you know, keep my mindset in the right place. And to be honest, the stuff that I do now, uh, the positive things that I do now, uh, the life that I live now, I quit practicing law after I filed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of that stuff came from this hardship of getting leukemia. Having to file bankruptcy, that was another day that was super hard. Mm-hmm. That would have felt like a failure. You know, you can get sick and, you, and, and it's not your fault, so you just don't feel bad about it. Yep. But if you're a bankruptcy attorney and you go in front of a bankruptcy trustee that you know and you work with um, and you're a little bit scared of, 
right? And that, th- this is, by the way, the answer to your question. Your question was, <laughs> do you hire an attorney for yourself? Just to remind people that may have forgotten, I haven't forgotten. Um, the answer is yes, I did hire an attorney. And, I, and the way I did hire an attorney is there were five bankruptcy trustees. And two of them I thought were harder to deal with than, than the other three. Mm-hmm. And one of the two also did bankruptcy work like she would represent people in bankruptcy so i hired her right mm-hmm. so then there were only because then she was conflicted out so then there were only four and so there was only a one one in four chance that i would get the trustee i didn't want mm-hmm. right so yeah. that was my thinking and uh you know as luck would have it i drew the one i didn't want <laughs> she's probably a fan of your show and he's gonna be like i knew that jeff didn't like me but, uh, <laughs> but this guy scared me honestly because he was kind of a i mean he was a hard guy to deal with he was mean to people and uh, I was feeling very embarrassed about the financial situation that I found myself in. I felt like I failed. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a day that if I was going to have a bad day, that was going to be the day, actually. That was the hard one. It was even harder than getting diagnosed with leukemia. And I remember sitting down in front of the bankruptcy trustee because you sit at this table uh, and you have to swear under oath. And they go through this whole process. You know, Have you told the truth? Are your documents correct? What did you do with this? And they ask you all these questions to try to find out if you're hiding anything, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, this bankruptcy trustee is going to, like, be really nitpicky with me because, like, if anyone knew how to hide something in a bankruptcy, it would be someone who does a lot of bankruptcy work, right? Yeah. Um, And, I mean, I wasn't hiding anything. I was 100% truthful on everything. Um, because I was just in a really bad spot and um, and we sat down there and, and and they have a recorder and he starts the recorder and he looks at me and then he stops the recorder and he says, Jeff, I'm so sorry to see you here. I just want you to know I'm really sorry to see you here. And it felt so good, right? That mm-hmm. was the moment. That was the one little tiny bit of positive in that whole situation. I was like, holy cow, this guy is a real guy and he really cares. He might be just, he's just doing his job. And then that from that low point, I was able to construct this amazing life that I live now. And mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't even got to that, but like I quit practicing law. I took a job uh, that I didn't like because it paid well and mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, invest in real estate, which yeah, is something I'd always wanted to do. I kept saying someday I'm going to invest in real estate. Like after I build my law firm, I'm going to invest in real estate. But I was like, no, I want to invest in real estate now. So I started investing in real estate in 2011. I, I saved up a little bit of money to buy my first deal. And between 2011 uh, and 2017, I was able to buy enough real estate that uh, when my company that I worked for sold to a bigger company, I, I didn't, I could take a buyout and I didn't have to go back to work and mm-hmm. I haven't had to work since. Right. I mean, I was 37 years old. I was 30 when I went bankrupt or thir- well, 32, I guess I was, it was 2010. So I was 32 when I went bankrupt mm-hmm. and at 38 in 2017, 30, almost 39, but 38 years old, like less than seven years after I filed bankruptcy, I literally walked out of my job and said, I don't have to work anymore. That's crazy. I can do whatever I want, right? Mm -hmm. And I would have never, ever, ever been able to do that if I hadn't gotten sick because I would have never done it. I just Mm -hmm. wouldn't have. Uh, And so it's a great motivator and and you learn from these hard things in your life and it's and I thought I, when I quit working, I thought oh, I'll just take you know the next you know a couple years off and just kind of chill out and just yeah. <laughs> you know maybe I'll go hang out on the beach or something. And I didn't. I mean, I wasn't rich. I don't. I don't. Yeah. 
I wasn't like, you know, I could never work again. My wife was still working. So um, we had insurance through her, but we were okay. You know, mm -hmm. and I knew that I could get by without working for an indefinite period of time. And, um, and I figured I could figure out ways to make money. I do a few real estate deals, maybe mm -hmm. I get my real estate license, whatever. Right. Yeah. And, but I didn't think I was going to work very hard. And, I went to sit and I went down to my dad's condo. He has a condo in Florida and I went down there and I was sitting on the, on a beach chair on the, in, at, by the pool deck, you know, and I was reading uh, rich dad, poor dad. I don't know if you read that, but it's uh, a great book. You should read it. If you haven't, everyone should read it at least twice in their life. And I mean twice <laughs> too, not once. It's a book. I've read it probably 10 times. What's the book called uh, again? Oh, rich dad, poor dad. Rich by dad, Robert poor Kiyosaki. dad. Okay. Yeah. It's a story of, um, it's, it's really a story of his life about how he, um, how he thinks uniquely about acquiring assets. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really a story told through this, it's a child's story told um, from a person who had a dad who was highly educated but never had any money mm -hmm. and a friend whose dad was very uneducated but, but found a way to make an enormous amount of money. And he asked his dad, his actual dad, his poor dad one day, um, you know, how do I make money? And, and his dad said, well, why don't you go talk to Mike's dad? Mm -hmm. And so he went and talked to Mike's dad and Mike's dad was like, if you really want to know, I'll show you. And so he had this unique experience where he was taught about money from a rich person. And then he contrasted that with what his own parents were teaching him about money. And so he writes the story, rich dad, poor dad, uh, the difference in, in the way poor people look at money versus rich people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's fascinating stuff. And, and it's something that I really think everyone should read because uh, it changed my whole perspective. And I'd read that in, in the nineties and knew I wanted to get into real estate after that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just, it's not a real estate book, but it's, it's, it's really about it's, it's that story of, of how to think about money. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I was reading that book for like, I don't know, maybe the fifth or sixth time at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I would get really bored sitting by the pool all day. <laughs> I got to figure out something different to do. And I really love that I don't have to work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I should help other people not work. So I should help other people invest in real estate. So I started doing that for a while, a little bit of coaching and a little bit of, uh, um, a little bit of just helping people invest, like giving them advice, uh, consulting type stuff. But then I started um, putting together deals that people could invest in with me, right? So I started raising money and there's a whole process to that. You know, there's all sorts of legal regulations and stuff. And so I learned about those and uh, and I just didn't, I really enjoyed that process of learning. And we started a, a podcast of our own um, to try to build up sort of an investor audience. Okay. People that might be interested in investing with us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and we just kind of have fun with it. Like our show is called old fashioned real estate and we just drink bourbon old fashions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> basically just get drunk and talk about real estate on YouTube. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun. And, uh, and I made a really good friend, uh, through that process. And now we invest together and I still invest with my original partner up in Michigan and, um, and I just, and we started buying apartment complexes and we started growing our portfolio and being able to put like, you know, ordinary people into a deal. Like somebody might be able to buy, you know, if you want to buy an apartment complex, it could be millions of dollars, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Uh, and who has millions of dollars? Not I me. don't, <laughs> right? But, but you know, a lot of people have $50,000. Yeah. And if you need a million dollars and 20 people each put in 50,000, then you have a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's, that's 
that's what we do. We just find 20 people that put in 50,000 each and then we have a million dollars, right? And then we can get a loan for $4 million or whatever. And now we own a $5 million building uh, together as mm-hmm. a group. And so that's what I do for a while. I've been doing that now since 2018 or 17, somewhere in late 17, early 18. A um, couple of those deals a year. Um, that's been really fun. Uh, and then uh, sometime around 2000. 19 or so i started thinking about you know not everyone wants to invest in real estate and my life had gotten really great like i've done so many amazing things i mean i went to australia and went back to egypt a couple of times and uh i mean last year 2020 man that was a tough year because you couldn't travel but early in the year Mm -hmm. i went to uh africa for an entire month and i climbed mount kilimanjaro the highest mountain in africa yeah and uh, i went and volunteered for a little bit in an ethiopian um school for disabled children up in Addis Ababa. and i mean i just i i mean i can do this stuff because i have the flexibility of not having a job right mm-hmm. and being yeah. able to live on what i do real estate wise and um and i started thinking about how more people should live that. So I started thinking about something I call last life ever philosophy or the last life ever philosophy. And I started writing a book about uh, about last life ever, which is just really, it's framed by my getting sick and, mm-hmm. and thinking about, you know, you only have this one life and you don't know how long you have. You can't bank on your health, right? Like you don't know that you're going to be healthy forever. Um, I certainly haven't been, I've had other issues that have come up since then, even, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, you could sit around and say, that's unfair, or you can just go live your life and, and, you know, do the best version of it you possibly can. And I wanted to help people who didn't want to invest in real estate live a better life. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what last life ever is about. And so we started a podcast for that actually, um, my co-host on last life ever was one of our first was actually was actually our first guest ever on old-fashioned real estate she's a syndication attorney uh, a securities attorney who does uh, helps people raise money and we did an interview with her about raising private money for real estate deals and i was telling her then about uh this idea for last life ever and she was like that sounds amazing i want to do it with you and so now we do that and uh, that's just been a really great time uh, none of that stuff makes any money but you know someday maybe right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what we all hope giving- yeah, it's, it's about giving back. I mean, yeah. we started a foundation um, where we were able to donate money. Like, I, we paid for um, a, a child in Tanzania mm-hmm. for their education uh, for the last year uh, because their dad was a safari guide and hasn't been able to do any safaris for a year mm-hmm. because of coronavirus. Um, and we, we helped a taxi cab driver in El Salvador had gotten to a car accident, get his car fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just do stuff like that. And uh, it's amazing to be able to help people and, and be able to give back like that. And and that's part of the last life ever philosophy. And so I think if you want to live the best version of your life, the trick is to, yeah, I mean, you want to buy back your time. You want to have income that supports your lifestyle. All that is important. Mm-hmm. But you also want to like leave a lasting impact and you want to help other people because the best, greatest joy that I've had has been from helping people and from, from the things that I've learned by doing these extraordinary things. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really an amazing, uh, amazing process. And mm-hmm. it's still a work in process. I don't, I don't want to say I'm the, you know, perfect or anything because yeah. I'm clearly not. <laughs> I have lots of faults. But uh, it's been an amazing few years and I, I think it's going to just keep getting better. So. 
Yeah. So now, now, I'm 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 a big believer in you know a lot of people ask me if you could go back in time and change anything, would you do it? And I, I tell people, you know, no, because it's it's kind of shaped me to the person I am today. And without me going through the good and bad things that happened to me in my life, my in my life in the past, I wouldn't be that person I am today. And do you kind of feel that way? With I mean, I know leukemia was probably. You know, you you had your good days, but it was kind of a it was a trial in your life. Do you do you think sure. if, you, if you didn't have leukemia, do you think you would be doing what you do, um, are doing today? Uh, no, I I mean I I don't. I think I think that my life trajectory would have been completely different. And um, yeah, I wouldn't go back and change it. I wouldn't wish it on anyone because it was really hard. I mean, yes. there's no doubt, and and I still deal with it. I have to take uh, chemotherapy pills every single day mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, maybe. Um, that's, that's kind of crappy, right? I mean, yeah. like, it, uh, but it's not that bad. I mean, it's better than the alternative, right? I mean, I don't want to die this week, so I yeah. keep taking my pills and they make me feel a little upset to my stomach and you know, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, so would I go back and change it now? I wouldn't, uh, unless I could know for sure that I could go back and change it and still learn the same lessons. Right. Cause it would be nice to just get the benefit of the lesson yes. without having to go through the hardship, <laughs> yes. which is actually one of the reasons why I like coming on shows like yours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get invited on a lot of real estate shows and, um, not so many, unfortunately, non real estate shows. And I actually, prefer these kinds because uh, when I come on a show like yours, I can tell people what I went through and hopefully they can learn some of that lesson without the pain. Yes. Right. Like mm-hmm. they can look at what they're going through and we're all going through stuff this year. Yes. I mean, <laughs> coronavirus, uh, that's a tough one. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, the truth is um, we can learn as a society, we can learn as individuals and we can learn really as a global consciousness from this experience and honestly the people that i've been most impressed with in my life are people that have overcome incredible hardship people that go through hardship and come out the other side are usually much much better people as a result of it and and so i'm actually pretty optimistic about the future not just for me personally but for the whole world i think that the stuff that we're going through Mm -hmm. it's a learning lesson for everyone uh, and there's a lot of other stuff too. I mean, there's this last year has, has been rife with with problems. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. Uh, but I think we're learning from this stuff, and we're moving, we're turning the corner at becoming a, a better people and a better world and a better country. Um, I, I mean, there's still a lot of stuff that concerns me. I don't want to. I don't want oh. to minimize that. And obviously, yeah. some people. I mean, a lot of people died from coronavirus and those people didn't come out stronger. So I don't want to minimize any of that, Mm -hmm. but I will say that, you know, take, take what I'm saying and take what you've gone through in the last year and and figure out how you can learn from it because that's the secret to life. Um, You know, if I had to rank in priority, the secrets of life, they're one, uh, keep getting better Two, figure out how to buy back your time as soon as possible. And by that, I mean just like figure out a way that you're not trading time for money. Yes. Like like have money pay for your time, not the other way around, mm-hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> if you can figure that out and you can keep getting better, uh, you're going to turn out okay. Yeah. And Jeff, I think you have done that greatly. You have, I mean, you've battled leukemia. I mean, you're still dealing with it today. And you're using your resources that you have with your podcast and um, just the time that you have and you're just helping people. And I, I think it's amazing. It's 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 really a really good story to hear. Um, and 
and uh what was it yeah i was having our, the last life ever i was having a little trouble <laughs> when i was doing the intro trying to get that out there and i was just like i really want to hear more about this um so uh when do you guys uh put out put out your podcasts on or, or what platforms are they on yeah so the um yeah so the last life ever podcast is pretty much wherever podcasts can be found so apple and google podcasts and spotify and all that stuff um and it's also on youtube um we actually do it live so we we don't record it um we interview people doing extraordinary things in their life that's kind of like three categories of people that we interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things so people starting charities and you know climbing mountains whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um and then extraordinary people doing extraordinary things like recently we interviewed one of the most extraordinary people i've ever talked to um her name is uh man i'm drawing a blank here um heather moyes so heather moyes is an olympic um gold medalist three-time gold medalist for canada and bobsledding Mm -hmm. but she isn't a bobsledder that's not even her thing like she just does extraordinary things like that like she climbed to the the highest mountain in antarctica i mean who does that (laughs) yeah right um and uh you know she's a a a two-time national rugby player in canada right and like i mean like she just and she wrote this amazing amazing book and like but the point is like we um we just interview people in that category so there's the ordinary people doing extraordinary things extraordinary people just just extraordinary all around and then the third category is ordinary people that have something to offer Mm -hmm. that benefits our audience so like one of those would be like we interviewed a girl who's uh, marissa wilkie who's a uh, expert at at getting a good night's sleep and i mean she's an ordinary person but she's really good at helping people sleep well mm-hmm. right and 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 that's really useful like everyone needs to sleep well right yes. so that's one of my favorite episodes actually that's one of my best hobbies like, like, yeah and so um so but we do this live in a facebook group so we have this facebook group called last life ever private group i know we're very creative right <laughs> um and we let pretty much anyone in so it's really not that private of a group like you have to answer two questions um and the answers are yes and yes and <laughs> <laughs> so it's not difficult right uh i think the questions are like do you promise to be positive mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not tear people <laughs> or something like that right i mean it's like they're really obvious what the answers are so we're not we're not trying to keep people out of that but we do it live in that group um every monday uh at 7 p.m eastern standard time Uh, every once in a while the time changes but we always do it live in the group and then about a week later we upload it to the podcasting apps and youtube in a slightly edited form we don't do a lot of editing because it's really a live show yes Mm -hmm. um and uh that's the that's really what we do so once in a while we'll break it up or something if the episode is really long we might make it two episodes Mm -hmm. uh but uh i mean like we interviewed tj miller the comedian i don't know if you know tj miller but um, he was like in Deadpool. He's the bartender from Deadpool. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So we interviewed him, and he like he said, "Ah, uh, can we do this interview at um, noon tomorrow?" And we're like, <laughs> "Okay," because you're T.J. Miller, you get to pick, right? Like we're not going to make you do it our regular time. And then, uh, so we said yes. And then he goes, I'll give you a half hour at noon tomorrow. And I go, okay, that's great, TJ. Like, we'll do it, right? Mm-hmm. And then we ended up going for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it was it was amazing. But uh, honestly, like, uh, I can't even – I can hardly pick a favorite episode because we had so many amazing guests. I mean, we've had people like, um, like missionaries, uh, everything from like that to like um, – 
people that started charities like one guy actually get this the guy's name is jeff holst right <laughs> i found him on accident i mean like my name is not that common and mm-hmm. this guy's name is jeff holst the same as mine right uh-huh. and so jeff had his son colin actually drowned in a public swimming pool mm. and he started a charity called colin's hope which raises awareness for the dangers of swimming but mm-hmm. but instead of like being like don't let your kids go in the pool it's dangerous they go teach your kids to swim yes right mm-hmm. like get get them life jackets you know so they do things like that like they do water safety awareness classes at local schools and stuff like that and uh i mean i was like that's just so amazing mm-hmm. and so so crazy like he's clearly the best jeff holst right <laughs> well there's well, a little competition yeah. there because there's this other jeff holst um in sydney australia who's working on the cure for cancer so if he does that i'm completely screwed i'll definitely <laughs> never be the best jeff holst well, but i'm gonna be the best version of this jeff holst that i can't hey jeff holst is the name and you know if he comes up with the cure for cure for cancer i mean that might help uh you with your leukemia yeah no doubt i should actually support that strategy yeah <laughs> i gotta get a hold of that guy i've actually never talked to him like this other jeff holst like it was the weirdest thing i was getting emails for him and so i tracked him down to like because like his email address is similar to mine because you know lots of people have email addresses that are like their name mm-hmm. um and so someone had had accidentally got his name and you know his email address confused with mine and uh and i and it was something that looked important so i was like i gotta figure out who this guy is and so i tracked him down one day and then i started talking to him after i got the email to him and he told me about his son and i was like holy cow like, mm-hmm. like i gotta have you on my show <laughs> like you know it wasn't like i was seeking out somebody with my name to have on my show it just worked out that way yeah but yeah it's really it's really great. And I would say people should join our Facebook group and just hang out with us. Yes. If you want to have positive life experience, like in Joe, you should join too. Like, I mean, you can, I'll, I promise I won't, I won't reject you. <laughs> I'll be the one person. I'd be like, ah, dang it, Jeff. <laughs> well, we, I mean, in fairness, we have actually rejected people before, mm-hmm. um, but never like, unless they look like an obvious spammer, right? Like yeah. if they look like a spammer right on the front end, we're like, mm, I don't think so. Cause you get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we had to kick one person out because he was just so negative. Like he just yeah. kept yelling at people all the time. And we're like, Hey, if you keep doing this, we're going to kick you out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, out of literally thousands of people that we have in there now, um only had to kick out one person so it's not like you know it's not like it's a regular occurrence so you should be okay unless you try really hard (laughs) well jeff if you could tell our listeners one more time where they can find old-fashioned uh old-fashioned real estates and your last life ever podcast Sure. So old fashioned real estate, it's everywhere podcasting is, but YouTube is the best for that because we get drunk and it's more fun to watch it. So youtube.com <laughs> slash old fashioned real estate or just search old fashioned real estate on YouTube. And then um, Last Life Ever, the best place to check it out is actually in the Facebook group, the Last Life Ever private Facebook group. But we also have, you know, it's on all the podcasting apps. So you can go on Google or Apple and be sure to give us a five star review while you're there, too, because like we need those. Yes, and I think especially during this time with 2020 and then everything that's going on in 2021, I think that podcast would be excellent. And, and plus with all the guests that you have and just hearing the positive stories on there, I guys, I think you guys are doing the Lord's work there. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's been really amazing for us and we've... 
um, we've really like, I feel like every time I talk to someone, I learned something really good. Mm -hmm. And so even if no one ever listens to it, I would still keep doing it. Like, is that weird? I don't know. (laughs) The truth is I'm like, it helps me. Like, I mean, that Olympic bobsledder was messaging me on Instagram the other day to ask me what I thought of her book. She's like, I sent you a copy of my book. Did you read it? And I was like, actually, yes. And it's great. Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, how weird is that? Like, I'm kind of friends with an Olympic bobsledder. I've never explained that, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's not just that. It's, like, there's so many people like that. I mean, there's this one guy who hiked the entire length of the Appalachian Trail um, for charity. And uh, and his name is um, his name is Jeff Alt, and he wrote this great book. I actually read his book, and I was like, wow, I want to meet this guy. So I just messaged him. And I'm like, hey, I have a podcast. You can come on. Mm-hmm. And he was like, sure. So he came on the show, and um, – you know, and then like afterwards, I my wife saw the show and was like, "Hey, I kind of think we should do the Appalachian Trail." And I'm like, "I'm not doing that. That's <laughs> six months of hiking in the woods. No, I did the Kilimanjaro, and that was eight days on a mountain, and that was enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that experience. But my wife was like saying she really wanted to do it, and so I messaged Jeff and I was like, "Hey, my wife's thinking about doing the Appalachian Trail, and then he's giving us all this advice and telling us what books to buy and all this stuff, right?" Mm-hmm. And how awesome is that to be able to make those connections? Yes. Like literally if no one ever watched that episode, mm-hmm. it was still worth doing it. Yeah. And that's how I am. I was talking to my wife. I was like, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, if, if people don't listen to the podcast while I'm living, that's something that's going to be on Spotify and all these um, platforms mm-hmm. forever. And then, you know, who knows, somebody might be able to go back and listen to our shows and they might learn something, you know, and, that's that's enough for me you know to just have something where i uh had a good episode with somebody you learned something you laughed you know i made you feel something and it's just there for you forever so that's 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 why i do podcasts and that's why i love it and Mm -hmm. and i just like i I love the positivity from your groups and just your life it's it's amazing (laughs) thank you well i've enjoyed it so far and i'm gonna keep doing it and your show I mean, at least this episode, it's been amazing. I can't, I can't speak to the other ones. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. I, I apologize for not knowing more about your show. Oh, no. See, um, this is uh, my thing with guests. We're starting to get new guests now, and um, we it's my fault. I haven't been you know, putting our show out. Uh, we just had a rough 2020, and that year, our first year, was just trying to figure out how to do a lot of stuff. So we got some good episodes, some bad episodes, and this that year. happens to all of us, man. I, yeah. I, last life ever, we started our first day was March 16th of last mm-hmm. year. That's literally the first day of the shutdown. <laughs> like, we, and our first guest was planning on coming to the studio to film with us. Like we were going to film in person. Mm-hmm. And he called me up and he says, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, I got a little bit of a sniffle right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I probably ought not come to the studio. And I'm like, yeah probably not he didn't end up having covid which is great um you know but back then you can remember it's a year ago we were terrified like we didn't know anything like it was day one literally that was day one of the 15 days to stop the spread right like everyone's home like everything's close it was weird i didn't know what was going on and um so i went to the studio by myself and that's the only show we ever did in the studio after that we've always done it like in my basement and like my um, co-host in her and does it in her garage like area or whatever mm-hmm. and like uh and we've never been in the same place um she lives in southern california uh i mean obviously we weren't gonna 
travel back and forth to California every week anyway. But yeah. I mean, we thought we could both be in studios and make it look like we were in the same place, but we've mm-hmm. never done that. Yeah, and we started this podcast off, um, we started uh, January, the first week of, uh, first Monday of January 2020, and I was sick, and I had a sore voice, and I went back a couple months ago, and I was listening to the first episode, and I, I talked to my, um, my editor and producer at the time, I said, dude, how in the world did we start this show off with a sore voice? I was like, that's crazy, like, I'm sitting there, yeah, guys! Uh, welcome to the Joe Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's those are the kind of things that you do, though. And uh, I mean, I would. I mean, I've kept you way longer, and I apologize in advance, oh, Joe, no, for good. just jabbering at you. But I think the thing about podcasting is that the medium is very forgiving. Like, good audio is important. I mean, it is. People want to hear hear good audio, but um, if you if you put stuff out there and you're just, you're being yourself, mm-hmm. uh, people connect with you. You're more authentic and, and authenticity is what, what causes you to stand out. You get some people that are on podcasts like, hello and welcome to my show. You know, yep. I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> like you should love me. Well, if you do that kind of stuff, like, you know, people just don't care. They, they just don't. Yeah. That's, that's what I was never going to get anyone following you. And, uh, you know, I feel like today I've been like just jabbering nonstop, so I kind of feel bad about that. Oh, so, oh no! Joe, like, do you have anything else you want to know before we wrap up? You no, feel free to ask me anything. No, you're my guest today, and um, no, and that's what I that's what I wanted. I I wanted just to have you on and just tell your story about everything. I was really interested in the uh, laugh life ever. I want to know about that, and then your uh, your uh, climb to Mount Kilimanjaro. So now you've done Mount Kilimanjaro. What about Mount Everest? Because I know that's a big one everybody likes to go to. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I mean, so Kilimanjaro is the the um, highest point in Africa, so it's not nothing, right? It's uh-huh. nineteen thousand three hundred and forty-one feet. It's the highest I've ever been um, by far. My next highest is like eleven thousand feet. I'm not a mountain climber, just to be clear. <laughs> it's not something I regularly do. I just uh, I just decided I wanted to do it. I read about it in a book, and I thought that sounds fun. I'm going to try it and. So I started training a little bit. Uh, I didn't train nearly enough. It was very hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but it's also not a technical climb. It's like a long uphill walk, right? Mm-hmm. It took seven days to get up and one day to get down. Gotcha. Um, and uh, and so, you know, camping in tents, um, you know, getting sweaty and smelly and you know, and freezing scouts. cold. And you go from a rainforest, like a tropical rainforest, all the way to uh, Arctic tundra because you go through six cli- or five or six climate zones um, on the mountain. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. It's like literally the hardest thing I've ever done physically, mm-hmm. but also like one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. It's, it's much like, you know, going through leukemia or something like when you go through hard things and come out the other side, you learn so much. Like I think about when I'm facing something difficult mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis now, I think I can do this. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, right? Like that's <laughs> no problem. Like that's one of the lessons. Another one is about perspective. I remember I was climbing and uh, I um, I was struggling. Like, and I mean, I'm, I'm not in the best shape, and I'm I'm overweight, and I'm like trying to climb this mountain. And I see these porters because in, in Kilimanjaro you're required to have porters carry your gear. Mm-hmm. And I see these porters with like 
you know, baskets of clothes on their head and stuff, you know, and like, like heavy, heavy, like they're carrying like, like tents and, you know, all this stuff on their heads and like, you know, they're, and they've got their own backpack on their back and they're carrying like our bags. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like laughing and joking around and just kind of strolling up the mountain. And I was like, man, their life is so much better than mine. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause like they're so much healthier and happier and all this stuff. And then I was walking like a couple of days after that. And I kept thinking that like, man, I wish my life was as easy as theirs. You know, I can just stroll up the mountain. And then I, I was thinking about it, you know, and I just kept thinking about it. a lot of time to yourself to think when you're climbing. Right. Yes. For days <laughs> and, then. and I was thinking about that more and more. And then I went, you know, really, their life isn't better than mine. Like they have their own hardships and struggles. Just because it seems on the outside that their life is hard, it's like easier than mine. Like you also have to think about this. These guys are getting paid like ten or fifteen dollars a day to yes. carry like some rich Americans' gear up a mountain. Mm -hmm. Like their life is not better than mine. Yes. Like they they're climbing this mountain over and over again for ten or fifteen dollars a day. Yes. And by the way, that's a that's like that's because we were paying extra right like mm -hmm. we were tipping them and stuff like it would have been less than that. i mean that's like crazy. there are people that do it for five dollars a day and yes. stuff and um you know and it, it was like and we ended up giving them actually after thinking that i ended up giving them more tips i was like i need to give them more money like this is just crazy right mm -hmm. um but but the thing is like they're doing that to like feed their family they're carrying my stuff up the mountain and they're still happy and positive so there's this perspective thing where it's like whatever you're going through it seems really bad to you mm -hmm. and what other people are going through doesn't seem that bad to you because because you only see one side of it right you see their happy front facing side this is really dangerous on like social media like yes you, know, you go on social media and everyone's like oh my life is perfect look here's a picture of me in hawaii you mm -hmm. know <laughs> look how good i look in a bathing suit you know they use like 75 filters and like you know they used a green screen to make it look like they were in hawaii right yep, <laughs> like, <or> whatever. <laughs> yeah so so like when I was thinking that I was like, you know, really like everyone's hardship is different and, and it's impossible to compare your own hardship to someone else's. So, so it kind of gives me this perspective that I just, whenever I'm dealing with something or struggling with something or I'm looking at someone else's life and thinking, man, that must be so nice to be them. Like I have a friend who lives in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I'm like, I want to live in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I do want to live in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I may mm -hmm. very well do that someday. Right. But like, just because they live in San Juan, Puerto Rico, does not make their life that much better than mine, right? Yep. They have to deal with hurricanes and earthquakes, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> so, but but the point is, like, like everyone has their own challenges, and everyone ha and you can only live your own life. So, like, that's an, uh, one of the core tenets to Last Life Ever is, you know, you ha you you can only live your own life. And, and another thing I learned on Kilimanjaro was um, the last day. So so the last day be before you get to the summit. You start climbing at 10 o'clock at night in the freezing cold in the dark sometimes midnight depending on who you know how fast you are but i started at 10 because i'm really slow mm -hmm. and um and you're climbing essentially by yourself in the dark um you know and you just zigzag up and down this mountain it's really steep and it's really tiring and it's really cold and you climb for hours so you, you, your goal is to get up in time for the sunrise mm -hmm. that's kind of the goal and uh and I would walk like 10 or 15 steps. And I mean, this is at, you know, you're already 16, 17,000 feet high. And like at that elevation, like if you walk like 10 steps, you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter if you're climbing or not, like just 10 steps on flat ground and you're exhausted. Right. I mean, 
that last night at, at about 16,000 feet rolling over in my sleeping bag tired me out. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, <laughs> so we walk like, I would walk like 10 steps and then I had these trekking poles and I would lean down on my trekking poles and I'd like kind of half doze off and I'd be like, you know what? I can't do it. And then I would open my eyes and I would look forward and I have this light on my head and I could only see about 10 more steps. And I would think I just got to make it to that, that right over there, that, that, that rock. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I would walk 10 steps and then I would go, <sighs> <laughs> you know, and then I'd lean down on my trekking poles and I'd close my eyes and I'd start to fall asleep. And then I'd go, okay, I gotta wake up. And I'd look forward and I go, I just gotta make it 10 more steps, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, I just kept doing 10 more steps. And then all of a sudden I was at the top of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just 10 more steps. And I actually wrote about that in an essay for this book called The Coronavirus Collective, which is about, um, positivity and and you know what people are dealing with to um to deal with the shutdown and we wrote it like like we compiled this for last life ever in the first um two months of the shutdown we had it out by june right um and and it it was all the money was donated to charity and still is if people buy it now on amazon the money goes to charity um but but the point is we found 25 different authors mm-hmm. to write about what they were thinking about and how they were trying to stay positive with all the unknowns in the world. And it's so good. So, so good. My article's okay, but like some of them are so good. We had people like, there's this uh, internationally best-selling author, Frank McKinney. He wrote a chapter about aspiration versus inspiration and, and you know, how he's using that to get through the shutdown. And, and we had people all over the world. We had one, one lady who grew up on the Mongolian steppe um, you know, and was now living in Southern California and uh, unable to go home to her nomadic people that don't have cell phones and stuff, right? These, mm-hmm. She literally was a nomad in Mongolia as a child and, and couldn't go home to her family and, and didn't know what was going on with them during the shutdown, right? Because it's impossible to know. Because the only way to know is to go there and talk to them, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just like... Uh, but but her perspective was still amazing like mm-hmm. i mean so many great takeaways from that but but the thing is when I, my thought was like the big takeaway from it was like this perspective on how, what other people are going through and like if you just keep moving forward you get through whatever you're going through and that's that was essentially what my point was like you know just keep moving forward just take 10 more steps mm-hmm. uh, and and eventually we're going to come out the other side of this and we're so close now, right? <laughs> like now I feel like uh, in a Kilimanjaro reference, so Kilimanjaro is a giant volcano, right? And it's yeah. super high and um, you get to the crater rim and you can look down into the crater and there's glaciers in the crater, ice everywhere, snow everywhere. You're looking down at the clouds on one side and down at a glacier on the other. And you're still not at the summit. You got to walk around the rim about a mile to get to the highest point uh, from where you, uh, where you get to the crater uh, rim. And uh, so you get to the crater rim. That's where I feel like we're at right now. We're at the crater rim. Like we just got to walk that last little bit and we're there. It might take us a day. It might take us a month, but we're so close to being through this thing. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, when we come off of this mountain, we get to come down to a whole new world. And that's what it was like for me. I mean, I went up one mountain and, and came down in a different world. And, 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 and I mean, it was a, it's just an amazing experience and that's where we're at now. And, and we have this huge positive you know, thing that's going to happen going forward for, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited about it. Um, I don't think I actually answered your question though. So sorry about that. 
I've done that every time you've asked a question. I just kind of went completely oh, off topic. Oh, no, you're good, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys, if you take anything away from this podcast today, we just said keep moving forward. Today's a good day. And it's all about the perspective that you have on life. And um, like I said, I just um, listening and talking with Jeff today is been really really great i've i feel a little inspired you know <laughs> just from your story and hearing about it and all the good things and all the people that you're meeting i'm, I'm definitely going to be giving uh last life ever a actually i've already um asked to be in the group and um but i'm going to be listening to the podcast and I, and I might check out actually you know what i'm not going to say i might i'm going to check out the old-fashioned real estate podcast there for you um but uh, yeah, any any comments before we we let you go, Jeff? Uh, well, you're in the group because I just approved you. So oh, there. so now um, I'm in the group. <laughs> yeah, now you're a member of the Last Life Ever private group. So congratulations on to our newest member. Uh, no, listen, I appreciate you checking out everything and having me on. It's been great. Um, and if you ever need anything, I mean, actually, uh, your show is about telling people's stories, and and I mean, I. I have lived an extraordinary life. You have we barely scratched the surface of some of the really, really cool things I've done. So, uh-huh. so this is um, a part I would one. encourage people to just, you know, follow along. But but more important than following my story, go out and live an extraordinary life. Do the big things in life and do them now because someday may never come. Make today your someday, you know, just do it right now. And uh, hey, you know what? Live the best version of your last life ever. Get yeah. one shot. Yes. Yes. Hey, guys, if you like listening to The Joe Show, you guys can find us on Facebook at The Joe Show, Reddit at The Joe Show, or check out our wonderful website at www.tjs.show. Also, check out the old-fashioned real estate podcast and Last Life Ever. Um, if you join the group, you can catch it live. Um, they also and It was Mondays at 7 o'clock, right? Generally speaking, yes. And yes. Sometimes it's different, but yeah. usually Monday is 7 o'clock Eastern. Yep, and if you guys can't catch it at that time, they go back and put it on Spotify, um, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. So, uh, hey, Jeff, thank you for being on the show. I really enjoyed <laughs> this interview with you. Thank you. I've enjoyed being here. Hey, thank you, Jeff. <laughs>